We have been on a discovery about getting some of the gems and understanding and knowledge of the righteousness of God. I want to take a little sidestep into the command of Christ in Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. And we're going to take our time in reading that scripture and then I'll embellish on it. We probably won't go very long today. The important point is to set this foundation so that we can continue to build upon it and understand it and pursue it. We need to pursue it. The things of God just don't happen in your life. You need to pursue them. God changing your life takes two people. It takes you first and then the Lord. If you're unwilling to change, you're not going to change. If you're unwilling to grow, you shall not grow. If you're unwilling to move in the things of God, God's not going to move in you. God looks for us to initiate it, and then he just opens the windows of heaven with all of it. And so let's start with this scripture first and foremost. Again, chapter 6, starting uh, in verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, these are the words of Jesus Christ, even as he's moving with his big discourse that Matthew recorded early on in his gospel, following right through after the Beatitudes, and he gave a lot of teaching. So Matthew laid all of this out for us right in the beginning. And in essence, Jesus is telling them how to put the kingdom first. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father, emphasize, your heavenly Father, feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into his stature? And why take you thought for clothing and raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of them. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or where shall we be clothed? For all of these things do the Gentiles seek. A better reading of the Gentiles' word is the pagans in that particular reading. For all these things do the pagans seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first. Say that with me. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added on to you. Therefore, take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Thank you for the reading of the Lord, word, Lord. Beloved, in the depth of every human soul, there's a restlessness. Every person that is not at peace with God is restless. And unfortunately, many people who have been born again and have received Christ as Lord are restless. There's a sense, and that sense is saying, what, what is next for me? 
a lot has been said in the body of Christ. People have built ministries upon it in the last 20, 25, even 30 years. What is the purpose? What's my assignment? A lot has been said about identity. Trying to find the identity, trying to find the purpose, trying to discover the assignment, trying to find peace because of an expectation of some kind of alignment. And that's for the believer. How about the non-believer or the person that's walking with one foot in the realm of faith and believing God and in the other realm of sin consciousness and conscious about the old beings? How about that person or just the blatant pagan? as Jesus himself said. How about that person? What do they turn to? Well, they turn to science. They turn to philosophy. They turn to some kind of supernatural impact in their life that's short of Jesus Christ. They turn to logic. They turn to finances. Some turn to addictive drugs and alcohol. They turn to ways of the world. They turn to different seasons and different things to try and determine some way, some way to find a peace to satisfy and feed this restlessness that we find somehow inherent in every human being. Well, we know how that started. Those of us who believe, we know exactly when and where it started. It started in the Garden of Eden and it was imparted into Adam. It became a sin nature that came from the father of sin. The, the word sin comes from Greek, does it not? And what it means is miss the mark. It's like an archer who missed the mark. But there's another word for it. And it says that that spirit of lawlessness and iniquity is working in the earth today. That's what's overcoming this country and every country that's not bowing its knees to Christ. It's a spirit of lawlessness. We can try to legislate it, but we'll legislate in vain because there'll never be total agreement. If you pass a law by one vote, it might become a law in the country, but it doesn't change the stew. And this is the same word for the believer and the non-believer. This is the same commandment of Christ that he gave to all of the universe. He said, seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Essentially, this restlessness is at the very core of our being. When channeled appropriately, it can become very creative. People become discoverers and explorers and they pursue something with all their life because there's a restless spirit in them. And, it's, and it relies and, and ends up becoming something of an invention or a wonder drug that's been discovered. Penicillin was a tremendous wonder drug when it was discovered in its day. Look how far we've gone and how far we've fallen away since. The printing press was a tremendous discovery. The light bulb was beyond understanding the computer. All of the things of technology that we get, it's because of restless spirits that are striving for something. But even in accomplishing what they've been sent or uh, equipped to do on an invention or a creation, there's still a restlessness in the spirit. There's unfinished business. And so that happens to be at the core of our soul. That's who we are. There's a stirring that goes on at all times. We understand that the majority of humans 
And you need to really reflect on this a moment. The majority of humans alive on the earth today lead lives of desperation, whether quiet or whether noticeable. That's why we see the drug problem so prevalent, not only in this country, but around the world. One of the most prominent families, tragedy struck them again in the last week, the Kennedy family. 21-year-old bright girl found dead in a mansion on one of the most exquisite places in the United States. Didn't matter what her name was, what it mattered was what was in her soul. And the only testimony that could come out was, well, she did some good by confessing her depression that she had since she was a child. My heart sunk. I said there was no need for her to confess a depression if she would only have been led to confess the name of the one who can take away the depression. Get to the finish line. I'm just running and running and running and running. And it seems like right when I'm getting ready to grab the prize, it just pulls away a little further away. And I'm like, and, and it's like chariots of fire. Dun, 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 dun. I'm just, oh, and then I could go into slow motion. Whoa, yeah. And you just can't grab it. But you don't quit. You don't stop. And something happens. If you quit reaching for it, it passes you by. It goes further on. Our souls are made restless for a reason. But Jesus gave us a way to be at rest as we're moving in the kingdom of God. Notice moving in the kingdom of God. Anything else that we pursue will never give us peace with God. Anything else that we pursue will never give us rest of the soul. There's only one rest of the soul, and that's the kingdom of God. And so we spend far too little time understanding the kingdom and too much time dealing with the motivations. Huh? And too much time dealing with the things. The kingdom becomes secondary to the things, and so we've been taught, some of us, even innocently, to pursue the things in the kingdom instead of pursuing the kingdom. For example, prosperity. Pursue prosperity and you shall have it. Claim it, it's yours to have. Grab it, seize it. No, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that you need will be added unto you. Or how about the butts? Hmm? Let's talk about the butts in a second. Not these butts, the butts. Every one of us is longing to find what we lost. Paul understood it in the letter to the Romans. And he gave us the solution. And he told us what it was. Romans 8 Verse 18, sufferings of this present time cannot be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in the great by and by when I get to heaven. Come on. Thank you, pastor. Where? As God is his righteousness in you. You can keep running to pursue that righteousness. That's not what he said. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness 
when you're in the kingdom of God, the righteousness is inherent. It's already there. You can't become any more righteous than you are, but you can miss the mark of the righteousness of God that he has defined for you. So let's go a little further. Romans 8, next verse. For, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God, the restlessness of the souls. Every soul is restless, earnestly expecting something, something to happen. I'm expecting something to happen. How about you expect God to do something wonderful for you today instead of expecting for the bank to call you tomorrow? How about you expect God to do something wonderful for, for you today rather than waiting for the doctor to tell you you might have hope? How about you wait for something wonderful for God to do for you right now rather than putting your trust and hope in chariots? How about you believe God right now and seek the kingdom of God? And guess what? You don't have to wonder anymore because Jesus gave a command. Seek ye first, seek ye first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what? You got it all. You got it all. You got it all. You notice he didn't say, I'm going to give you some things. He didn't say some things. I don't know about you, brother. I would have probably been satisfied with some things. God's going to give me something. I'm happy about that. God giving me something. He said all things. He said he will give you all things that you need and has to be supplied to you. Beloved, when you seek the kingdom of God, don't wonder where the provision is coming from. Just don't lose the vision. Hold on to the vision. Hold on to the vision. Don't let go of it. And then he says, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Stop, stop, stop. I can't leave you there. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus Christ? We'll take care of that in a moment. If you know Jesus Christ, you're not waiting anymore for the revealing of the sons of God. You are revealed as a son of God. Amen. Creation is eagerly expecting and waiting, wondering, senseless, just stirring up inside. What am I about? What's my identity? I am tired of hearing everybody ask, what's my identity? You are a child of God. Amen. That's your identity. You don't need to go to the courts of heaven to understand your identity. You just need to accept Jesus Christ. I have been identified. Amen. I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. And if I'm a child of God, then everything that he has, I inherit. Amen. Now. The glory in us. Now. Next verse. For the creation was subject to futility. <laughs> wow. Does that explain it? Everything that we do that is outside the kingdom of God is futile. You want to get a house on your own? Oh, it's working, but it's futile. Or is it better if God helps you get it? Or how about if he gives it to you? You want to work on your own healing? Or is it better if God him above at all times? And guess what else? It's supposed to pour out of us. It's not just for us. The kingdom of God gives. The kingdom of God is generous. The kingdom of God doesn't hold back. 
But yet the creatures do. <laughs> God, isn't this enough? Aren't I doing enough for you? I mean, after all, you, you know, I need some time for me. Hey, I mean, after all, I mean, I gave you this, but, but you know, I, I need to have some money for my retirement. I mean, come on, after all, God, you know, I've got things to do, people to see, places to go. Huh? So we hold back, and so guess what happens in the kingdom of God? God holds back. If you don't give it, you don't get it. That's the kingdom of God. You've got to give it to get it. It's not how much you give, it's when you give. What? I'm going to say it again. It's not how much you give, it's when you give. You give when God tells you to give. You give in the kingdom when there's an opportunity in the kingdom to give. And you don't say, wait a minute, I don't to do one, two, three, I'm going to give. And God says, well, give it all. What? What? No, no, Lord, that can't be you. That's, I rebuke you, devil. <laughs> get behind me, Satan. Behind me, right here. Get, be, get behind Hey! God whispers quietly, how much are you willing to give for me? I gave everything for you. But there's hope. Watch this. Watch this. Next verse. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. The bondage of corruption is the sin nature. The bondage of corruption is lawlessness. The bondage of corruption is the sin consciousness. God says he'll deliver us from that in Christ and give us liberty, glorious liberty. Now let me ask you a question. Jesus spoke to the people very clearly. He said, don't worry. Those were my grandfather's last words. He practically raised me. And we'd taken him to the hospital multiple times, and I knew this was the last one. And I went in the, I went in the uh, ambulance with him from the farm. And we're sitting there, and my father, who was in the Air Force, happened to see the ambulance. He was flying over, landing at the Air Force base. Happened to see the ambulance pulling out of the farm because we were on final approach of the airport. And so he landed and quickly came to the hospital. And my father here and myself here, and my grandfather, strong man, strong man, fighter, strong man, strong man, old country. He looked up at both of us and he said, I'm going to tell you something. No batra about nothing. Don't worry about nothing. He realized after a life of toil, it doesn't matter. No batra about nothing. Don't worry. Jesus, no batra about nothing. You can worry about these things, pursue these things, work after those things, and at the end of the day, you have a futile life. You know what's part of that futility? You might even accomplish some things, but if you didn't do what God told you to do, huh? Is that success? You see, I've said it often, and I'll say it again publicly. I am grateful for philanthropists. Philanthropists, people who give a lot of money or give money because they have it to give. 
And they give it to charity and they give it to feed the poor and they give it to find, you know, uh, solutions and illnesses and they give it to build nice buildings and their names go on it and they have trusts and charities and all of these things. But if somebody's worth $50 billion and they give away a billion dollars, how did that affect their life? Now, if they gave away $50 billion, I'd be impressed. 49, I'd be a little impressed because a billion's a lot of money. How many of you would know what to do with a billion dollars? Don't put your hand up because you really don't know. You really don't know. You think you know, you don't know. That's why you don't have it. Huh? 50 billion, if you're worth 50 billion, I'm impressed. That means you're going back to work. That means you trusted God for everything. And guess what would happen? I think God would give him back 100 billion. Maybe 200 billion. Maybe 300 billion. Maybe 400 billion. God multiplies what we give. You can't lose it in the kingdom of God. You can't lose what you give in the kingdom of God. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about yourself. You can't lose it. You can't lose it. God won't allow it to happen because his word says it won't happen. He will multiply what you sow into the kingdom of God. Sometimes you're sowing into your children. You may not see it today, but you will see it. Their children will be the result of you sowing into your child. Their children's children will be the result of what happened. God goes back into generations and blesses them because of the generation of the now that believes God. God takes the righteousness of one good person and changes an entire bloodline. God is, has a voracious appetite for righteousness. He never rests. He never rests. He never slumbers nor sleeps. He's constantly looking. It says here that the eyes of the Spirit, go on, go on, move on to the next one. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with pangs until now. The person that doesn't know Christ and hasn't accepted God and is not practicing to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness is groaning. <sighs> trying to find your way. Trying to push yourself into a place of peace and rest. And then we want to do it the world's way. Oh, I want to be accepted. I want to be acknowledged. How about that word affirmed? I want to be affirmed. Everybody's looking for affirmation. What happens if your affirmation is God saying, I put my mark on you, you're willing. You are glorified to suffer for me. Ooh, I don't want that affirmation. <laughs> How about if God calls you out and says, leave everything and go for me. Watch what I will do. You know why God loved Abraham so much? Because he came out of a place that wasn't easy to come out of. He had everything. He was wealthy. His family had a legacy. They made the idols and sold them. That means that that mystic power of the idols was upon his family. He understood the supernatural from the dark side. God called him out to be removed. I bet you Abraham wishes he knew that mystery. 
He went a lot of years hanging on a little word and then got another word and then another one. And God accounted it to him for righteousness. But here's the beauty from it without end, the increase that never stops. He knew that we would not be able to understand the kingdom. He knew we would not be strong enough to be able to pursue and get what we want. So he said, you know what? They need to be righteousness again. Do you know what righteousness brings? Fellowship. Think about it. Without righteousness, you have no fellowship with God. You're in the outer court all the time. You're one of the pagans. It said in there, the Gentiles. But what he meant was the pagans. Now, let me say something to you. Pagans aren't people who are atheists. They're people who believe in the wrong thing. Pagans believe in idols. And they ascribe the idolatry to God or gods or whatever it is. It's like going to the Hindus. I've had many people come to me. Oh, I, I went to India and, 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 and I had 2,000 Hindus except Christ. Oh, that's good. But they denounce their other gods. Well, I didn't ask them to do that. They only got 3 million gods. Sure, another god, he's going to help me. Hey, Jesus, call him whatever you want. And they just put another little peg in their little temples that they make and burn incense and dollar bills to. No. God said he knew that we needed a power in order to pursue the kingdom of God. And he gave us his righteousness. And we can't earn it. And we can't give it away. But we can hinder. But the difference is, now you have the power to over. By the word of God, by the revelation of God, fellowship to pull it off for him. And that was the son. And the son said, I do nothing but of the father. And he had already somehow along infinite time the father had confidence in the son and the son had confidence in the father the son knew that the father wouldn't leave him in hell the psalmist saw it but he didn't know what he saw father do not leave my soul in hell lord relieve was saying god knew that his son would be begotten again and be the born again and he was the first to be born again so that we might be born again and in him, the righteousness of Christ is imparted to us. The very element of the nature of God that allows us to stand in fellowship with him again, even as the Father does with the Son. And that fellowship allows us to ask what we shall in his name, and he will do it. That's incredible. How many people before Christ that loved God, served the Father, didn't have the revelation that we have still were obedient to God, but couldn't ask what they wanted and receive it. They didn't know. They had no confidence. It's, well, if, I don't know. Isn't that part of what religion says? Well, if it's God's will. People that don't understand righteousness and the standing they have with God, they always polish it off by saying, well, if it's God's will. You will be healed. Well, if it's God's will. God will take care of your dead. Well, if it's God's will. You already lost half of the faith. It is God's will. He gave his son for it. You are made righteousness in God. God is abundant, able to do all things always everywhere. And he says, I'll do it for you if you only believe and ask in my name. Stand in my presence as a child. So you can go and look real humble if you'd like and say, if it's God's will, I don't think you're really pleasing God. Because he says, without faith, you cannot... But yet we say, well, you know, but he likes humble people. Yeah, God likes humble people, but he doesn't like humble people that sell their faith for a false piety. He loves faith. God is a God of faith. 
God says it, it's done. He didn't recreate a family in the image of Jesus Christ to not be able to declare and say things and it get done. He wanted more to get done in the presence, in the now, to build his kingdom, a kingdom without end. And as the Lord gave us the word today, Jesus Christ's own words. Hey, he said, I'm going to go sit on the right hand of the father. I'm coming back on the power of God in his clouds, in his heavens. I'm coming right back to this earth. And beloved, we're the people that are eagerly crying out, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The lawlessness. Why are we surprised that there's a spirit of lawlessness loosed in the earth? We know it. We just, unfortunately, were taught that we were going to go fly away, Lord Jesus, before it came. Well, guess what? It's here. You say, but pastor, it's going to get worse. Yes, arise, shine. So gross darkness shall cover the earth, but the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I expect the earth to get pretty dark. I don't like it. I'll pray against it. I'll fight against it. I'll defend wherever. Okay with that. I'm all right with it. I don't go crazy about it. I like my fast car and you know, I like getting in airplanes. I can't imagine taking a stagecoach. This week, we're supposed to be down with uh, Apostle Mosey Madugba for two days, Thursday and Friday, to preach. Could you imagine if we had to go, we had to leave last week? And maybe we wouldn't get there, right? And in today's environment, you're riding a horse. They never said what you do with the stuff that comes out of the back of the horse. Huh? Everybody wants to go around with no fossil fuels. There's a lot of fossil there. What are you going to do with that stuff? Cork won't sell. The D's, the tree. Look what he did to the tree. The tree didn't produce? Cursed it. God's looking for fruit. Righteousness bears fruit. Yes. Righteousness bears fruit. You could be the only voice in a protest argument against the things of God, your righteousness will bear fruit. You might even be willing to get martyred. Your martyrdom will bear fruit. I'll never forget the words of my friend, Henry. Henry was a minister of oil under Chavez in Venezuela, a Christian, born-again Christian. And the reason he had him there is because he could trust him. Everybody else was stealing Henry didn't steal. And so he would go with him all around, always representing Christ to Chavez. Chavez, nasty guy. The one there now is even worse. Nasty people, godless people, evil people, kill people, steal. Starve your people. Not a righteous kingdom. A fleshly kingdom. A lustful kingdom. A kingdom of Satan on earth. And he was with them in, in Cuba. They went to Cuba to have a meeting with Cuba. And, and the relationship was that Cuba would send doctors and dentists and help them with their military. And they would give them oil. And they would ship it through. And, and, and Castro and Chavez had a relationship. And Chavez considered him his political mentor and father. And there they are waiting in, in, in the palace in Havana, for Fidel to come into the meeting, and the ministers are there, and Chavez is there, and for some reason he's taking his time, and time goes by, and it's clicking, and all of a sudden, 
Chavez gets into this triad and just starts to believe it's his time to instruct those who are there. And he's telling them about the things you need to do to save your nation and to improve your nation and what the problem with the earth is. And almost yanks Chavez out of his chair. Says, shut your mouth in my place. You're bringing a curse upon me in Cuba. Don't you know, you ignorant fool, that anybody who has put their hands up against God's Jews has been destroyed? I'd be trying to loosen up a little bit and to invite the Pope in and a few things. I don't know. A lot of blood in his hands. But he understood that mystery of God and that the righteousness of God can has fruit. And one of the fruits of the righteousness of God is that nobody can destroy it. You might be a martyr. You might be the last one. But in that, God will be glorified and you'll see fruit. You'll see fruit that nobody can quench. Think about Stephen. I look up and I see my Lord sitting on the right hand of my Lord. And he gave glory to Jesus. Until this day, that becomes the martyr's prayer, doesn't it? He gave a prayer to martyrs that the kingdom of heaven can give. We need to get past the things and need to get to the source. We need to get that mindset renewed and changed and say, you know what? I'm not, I mean, let's face it. A lot of them of God go to Luke 9, verse 57. And I think this was, walking down the road, a man said to him, to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Well, let's stop a moment. How many times in church do we get excited and make commitments to God? How many times God does something we say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm in, that's me, I'm here, I'm good, huh? I'm good, yeah, let's do it, right? A week later. That's why revivals sometimes become useless. People come into them, they get all revived. And a week later, Oh, walking with Jesus. I imagine if, Ralph, if you were walking hand in hand with Jesus, you'd about to do anything, say anything. You'd, be, you'd just be mesmerized, wouldn't you? This guy was mesmerized. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He was letting him understand that the commitment has a cost. The commitment to serve and to walk in the kingdom of God has a cost. And it's not life as usual. It's not conforming to what is. Are you willing to pay the price is what he was telling the guy. You don't know who you're talking to. I don't have an inheritance here on earth. I don't have a house. I don't, I don't have a car with air conditioning. I, I don't have a, a mileage plus card. I, I, don't, I don't have all these things. And then, to drive the point home, he continues on. He said to another man, the second man, follow me. But listen how the man replied. Lord, first, huh? Lord, first, Lord, first, let me, let me, let me. Wrong. I can imagine Jesus probably, if he wasn't walking, supersedes that commandment. The honor of the kingdom of God supersedes family. It supersedes inheritance. It supersedes tradition. It supersedes, I know some of you aren't liking this, it supersedes everything. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. 
Jesus wasn't moved by that compassion. Well, let me wait till my father dies so I honor him and then I'm going to go. Jesus said, you're not worthy. You're going to wait? What if your father outlives you? Then what did you wait for? Think about it. And that wasn't enough. Then we get to another one. A third man, verse 61. Still another said, and you know why there's three things in the scriptures? Whenever you see three, according to Jewish tradition, that's to emphasize a point. That's to make sure that it's established in the witness of three. And that's so that it's indelible. So Jesus gives this to us three times out of the gospel of Luke. Still another man said, I'll follow you, Lord. But first, let me. Huh? But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family and serve your family. I went on the air because it's not part of their credo. Their credo's wrong. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll add all, all their things to you. And you know what? You think you gave it away, but you didn't. He'll give it back to you. So rich, so ripe. I've got a beautiful wife and children and grandchildren. I thought I walked away from it all. <laughs> he was just testing me. He was just testing me. And I didn't even understand righteousness. I was still legalistic. I just loved Jesus. I just knew that all of a sudden my sin consciousness was gone. I just knew that my stress had been replaced by understanding the blood of Jesus. I was okay with the blood of Jesus, but I'm much better now with the righteousness of God. How about you? How about you? How about you and me? How about you and me? My prayer isn't that this is condemning. I, I want it to be uplifting. I want you to see that in your struggles and in the issues that you suffer, that God is in it and he's bringing you to a better place. I want you to know that all the times that you've sacrificed for God and give for God and those who help serve in this church and in this ministry and wherever you're at, God's eyes aren't closed. He sees it. He knows it. He blesses it. I want you to know that if you're seeking the kingdom of God, you're on the right path. And if you say, Pastor, I, I want to get a little closer to God, it's so easy to do. Serve God in the place and in the ways that he gives you the opportunity to do it right now. Pastor Don and Sandy, how many homes are you going to now? Sixteen. Sixteen homes every month. Sixteen homes. When you came to this church, how many were you doing? One. What happened? You got a covering. Well, thank you. But you got the covering. You said we're going to serve the kingdom of God with the resources that we have. And God's given you fruit. It's too big for them. They need help. Because huh. guess what? All the fat ministries in the area that have more money and more people aren't lined up to go to those places. Because they're not affirmed in those places. The prisons need more help. They need more people. But nobody's affirming people in those places. The homeless need more help. They need more people, but nobody's affirming them. And the kingdom of God needs more people. This ministry has a huge mantle. It's beyond comprehension. I could... I was going over with some friends this week, very influential friends in the kingdom, honest people. And they said, well, what are you up to? And my wife and I shared, and they got quiet. They said, what? I said, yeah, I know. And God just added another one. What? I said, yeah, I know. Had that commercial guy called, what? 
Yeah, what? <laughs> Except it's not chaos. It's the order of the kingdom of God. I know for me, my wife knows it, I never expected to enter into heaven with a rested life here on earth. I expected to go, and when I went, said, give it all. And you know what? I don't know about you, but I never feel like I gave enough even when I give it all. And I, I used to have trouble with that, and now I don't anymore because I know I'm just never going to catch that ring. I'm always going to be just a little close. <sighs> but we keep running, and we run, and then we stand. And then we run, and then we stand, and then we run, and then we stand. I want you to be encouraged, not with a motivational message, because those come and go. They're, they're like a shot of adrenaline. They're good for the moment, and afterwards you're... <sighs> I want you to be uplifted because of who you are, the righteousness of God in Christ, and that the kingdom of God is in you, and that if you need to get something aligned, it's so simple to do. Just ask the Lord to help you. Don't even make a vow. Be careful about vows because you will surely break most of them. Don't make a vow. I mean, I vow that I will love Jesus till the end of my breath and from there for eternal more. That's an easy one to keep. But be careful about other things that you vow. People make marriage vows and break them every day. Every day. So be careful about vows. But ask the Lord to help. And say, Lord, you know what? In my own imperfect self, you're doing such a great job. I don't know how you're doing it. Let's do it a little better. Help me out. Nudge me a little closer. Let me walk in your shadow faster. Help me, Lord. Don't get weary. You say, but pastor, I'm already tired. Well, then you need to get renewed, renewed, renewed. That's what this kind of message from God does. It renews the mind. When you renew the mind, then it's up to you to keep renewing your mind. How do you do it? Fellowship with God because of righteousness. Because you have fellowship with God, the Holy Spirit of God is going to be speaking and moving to you in everything that you do. You can pray and know that your prayers are heard from the very throne room of God, not the outer court. No sin consciousness. And you know, most of all, that Jesus Christ, your righteousness, is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you, just for you, with his nail-scarred hands out before the Father and your name written right there in the blood. Right there. You can't lose. Amen? Say, I can't lose. With Christ, I can do all things. Amen. All things are possible. Wow. All things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things that are possible shall be given unto you. I like it.